Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 841, air date November 22nd, 2020. If you can get any guest on the show right now, who would it be? Would you get Cornell West back on? Would you get back on? Would you get me to turn on? I said no right now. If I can get anybody, it would be Dr. Shiva. His work has been impeccable. He's a name I've heard for a while right now, for over a year. Uh, from all the experiences he's went through, and it's great to finally get him on the show and talk to him. Dr. Shiva, how you doing, my friend? I'm, do- I'm doing good, Greg. Nice to be on the show. Hope you're doing well. Thank you. I appreciate it. I was uh, trying to reach out to you before the election, uh, have you on election day, because uh, I'd heard about your story. As you know, Tim Canova comes on this show a lot. Uh, we talk, we had talked about your specific case. And on this particular show, we say this all the time, election rigging isn't done by one party. It's a bipartisan practice. And you went went through that with the Republican Party, this establishment that ran against you that nobody's seen on the streets since 1972. Can you give us a little uh, backstory about what you went through and what you experienced in that race? Sure. I mean, I experienced it in two races. And just to give you by just to be clear, uh, Greg, you know, my politics, if anything, have been always anti-establishment since I was a kid. Uh, the backstory I think it's important to understand is I never voted ever. So I know when I started hearing about some of the election integrity activists, there's a lot of people who are your typical liberal Democrats, and they've been part of the election integrity movement for years, and that's fine. But my journey was, you know, I grew up in India as a kid. You know, my family were considered low caste untouchables, so I experienced racism on steroids. You know, I, I my family came here when I was seven. I grew up in working class neighborhoods in New Jersey and then came to Boston uh, at the age of 16, 17 and 81 to go to MIT. And I've been here ever since, went in and out of MIT, did a bunch of degrees, four degrees, my PhDs in biological engineering, had a deep love of systems and pattern analysis. That's what my work has been in. But I think one of the important things to understand is, so my interest in science and medicine have always been there. Uh, but the other part was a deep interest in injustice and in political systems. So it's typically you find people who are the nerds who do math and science, typically stay out of politics, but both have been interweaved into my life. So for example, in 1983, uh, if you remember Jesse Jackson ran against two guys, um, two guys meaning Reagan and Mondale. Yeah. And a lot of us who were anti-establishment, we thought, wow, Jesse Jackson is building an independent movement. And then at the end of the day, he basically, gives all of his votes to Mondale, speaking the lesser of two evils. And that's when I came to realize that the liberal left wing of the Democratic Party is really the not so obvious establishment. They talk a good game, but at the end of the day, they bring people back into the establishment. And it's just talk. And this and the same happens on the right wing, right? You have people in the Tea Party who talk a good game, but at the end of the day, they funnel people back into the establishment Republican wing. So I came to the conclusion that both parties were essentially the uh, play, you know, essentially they do not support working people. And then the more insidious part is the uh, the wings, the so-called not so obvious establishment wings, be it the Bernie Sanders, be it the Elizabeth Warrens, be it the Jesse Jacksons, the all Sharptons on the left, who essentially talk a game, but they're essentially part of the establishment. They manipulate people. And then you have the same thing on the right wing side, you know, people talk a game like they're Trumpers or this or that. And at the end of the day, they take working class whites and they sucker them back into the establishment. 
So this is something very hard that most people do not understand. So people essentially are into the Republican de uh, Democrat dialectic. So I never voted because of that. But when Trump ran, I saw him just obliterating both sides of the establishment. I saw him as a disruptor. First time I ever voted, I, I ran as, I, I, I'm sorry, I registered as an independent, voted for him, went to the inauguration. I decided to run as a Republican. This is in 2018 against one of the premier devils of the not so obvious establishment, Elizabeth Warren. You know, uh, here's a person who is absolutely establishment. Um, and our campaign was, we ran initially as Republicans and the Republican establishment in Massachusetts, who's one with the Democrat establishment got so afraid of me. They ran a guy on the Republican side, never wanted me even to get on the ballot, who photoshopped a picture, Greg, with Trump. There's three hands in the picture, okay? And, and Charlie Baker, who's a rhino, rhino Republican, didn't want me running. They knew I was never gonna get on the ballot, so we jumped ship and ran as independents. And our campaign slogan was only the real Indian can defeat the fake Indian. And it had nothing to do with race. It had to do with the fact that Elizabeth Warren, her lack of integrity. So we had to run as an independent. Both parties colluded, didn't let me on the debate stage, even though in previous years when an independent got on the ballot, and there's only three of us, should have been on, uh, we had to take you know a bunch of our money and file a lawsuit. And But that's when I learned that both parties, again, were the part, we got 100,000 votes in 2018, five times more than any US Senate candidate in Massachusetts history. This time in 2020, we decided to run in the Republican primary as Republicans, we had 3,000 volunteers, you know, 10,000 lawn signs, 20,000 bumper stickers, um, you know, uh, 500 standouts, working people. No one on our campaign was paid political hacks. People worked all out. And by September 1st election night, I knew in the primary, we had about 250,000 votes and this other guy who was nowhere to be found, not one lawn sign, not one bumper sticker, no organization, who was essentially appointed by the Republican GOP to basically stop me so I wouldn't get a shot at going after this guy called Ed Markey, who's been in there 47 years, the Green New yeah. Deal guy, okay? Yeah. So on election night, we end up winning in Franklin County, all white working class town by 10 points in every other county, 60-40, 60-40, 60-40, And don't take this the wrong way. He was a, here's a pasty faced white guy from Greenwich, Connecticut, who wins in Hispanic Lawrence, 60-40, who wins in Brockton, primarily black and minority, 60-40. Unbelievable. So when I gave my concession speech, uh, which wasn't really much of a concession speech, I basically said F you to the governor, F you to this guy. I said election fraud took place in third world Massachusetts. And I said, I'm glad we have the second amendment. And that was on September 1. And every day after that, Greg, I was doing tweets talking about election fraud, that's when we got contacted by Bev Harris. She's the one who told us about the weighted race feature, all of this stuff, and John Brakey on ballot images. And so I applied for a FOIA saying, hey, look, I want the ballot images. The general counsel of the Secretary of State's in a series of email conversations around September 25th. By the way, I'm tweeting out, and Twitter didn't do anything to me up until that point. I'm tweeting out election fraud took place in Massachusetts, a million ballots, the ballot images, I said, were destroyed because that's the information I'm getting back. We went up to see the election official uh, on September 9th at the Secretary of State's with cameras. And this guy saying, we don't have those ballot images. We turned that feature off, quote unquote, on video. So on September 25th, 
the general counsel is exchanging emails with me saying, we don't have to save ballot images, we're prohibited. Then I say, what's the law in Massachusetts? Then she says, we save the paper, but we don't save the ballot images. We don't, they're not stored. So I write back and say, look, you violated federal law. You have to save the ballot images. This election's null and void. Those four emails, conversations, I screenshot. And on September 25th, 26th, I put up on Twitter and they start going viral. Within maybe six to 12 hours, bam, I'm banned on Twitter for 21 days. We decided to move our campaign to a write-in campaign with these, we've distributed 1.5 million of these all over Massachusetts. Gallup, because we had a massive volunteer base. We actually had a gr truly grassroots campaign. So I get banned for 21 days with that tweet for the next 35 days remaining. Totally shackled because Twitter's my megaphone. And what we find out is a bogus fact-checking organization uh, funded, I think, or back-ended for Facebook says, that my stuff was false, ballot images, they confused ballots with ballot images. But in that article, Greg, was quite fa fascinating. They talk about a conversation they had with the Secretary of State's PR person where she admitted the state of Massachusetts Secretary of State had contacted Twitter to complain about me for election misinformation, the dog whistle, and that's when I got shut down. So I filed a federal lawsuit, two parts of the lawsuit, demanding a restraining order from the courts so the Secretary of State would no longer call Twitter. I'm still, at the time I was still banned and a, about a $1.5 billion lawsuit saying what they did was violation of my First Amendment rights. Now, the lawyer I had, he bails on me because no lawyer in Massachusetts wants to go after these guys. So people are saying, what are you gonna do? So I represent myself pro se in federal court, which is unheard of, okay, in front of a, federal judge facing three lawyers it was supposed to be a one hour hearing. The most important thing was the judge took the case. As you know, that's an important first step. Judges do not like to give temporary restraining orders because when they give that restraining order, they're actually gonna admit that your bigger case will work, okay? So I go, it was supposed to be about, what I thought was about an hour and a half hearing. It ends up becoming a four hour hearing. Me, the night before having to read legal books, putting together legal arguments along three things, three points. One, that the state had induced Twitter. Fighting Twitter is very difficult because they hide under what's called Section 230, saying, hey, we're a private company, we can put up whatever we want. So I went after the fact the state had induced Twitter to do this. And it's called cat's paw liability, where one entity induces another entity to do this. And the judge the night before had wanted us to review what's called the Blum test, Blum versus Yaretsky, a very famous case where you have to choose who you're gonna file a case against, the person who committed the act or the person who induced them. So I was effectively able to argue it and the judge was quite impressed by my argument. And he tells his other Harvard uh, Law School educated attorney general, he goes, uh, assistant attorney general, he goes, he goes, I gave you that case 10 days ago, Shiva here, Dr. Shiva, has argued it better than you, okay? So I won the respect of the judge. The judge issues the terms of the temporary restraining order saying the Secretary of State should no longer call Twitter. And he asks the Secretary of State's legal counsel, he goes, if you disagreed with Dr. Shiva, why did you contact Twitter and ban his political speech? You Because I also had to argue that government speech cannot trump political speech. 
And, and, but one of the most profound things, and everyone should listen to this in the election integrity community and everyone out there is this is what came out. We were doing cross-examination and the judge cross-examines this young, I think she looked like a young 20s, 30s PR woman who was the one who the three lawyers had told to contact Twitter or the main lawyer to shut me down. And the judge asked her, so what did you do? Who told you to call Twitter? And she said, oh, the, the, uh, my, the general counsel told me to call. And she goes, why? Because Dr. Shiba is spreading election misinformation. What was the election misinformation? I was staying, saying that the Secretary of State had deleted ballot images, which is violation of federal law. And I had the email thread where they're admitting they did that, okay? Mm-hmm. So then what was quite interesting was this young woman spills her guts and she acknowledges that, oh, we have, and so the judge said, why did you think Twitter would take him down? Because, or do something. Remember up until then, the argument was, oh, this was, anyone could have called Twitter, okay? Anyone, because we're all private citizens, we can complain. But she said that the Secretary of State has a Twitter partnership, quote unquote. So let me repeat that again. The Secretary of State is on a higher priority when they call and complain to Twitter. They're higher than all of us peasants out here. And And more importantly, what came out was she then admitted that the general counsel had also called the National Association of State election directors, NASED, which is a national organization of all the state election directors. And remember, the state election directors are the ones that certify the machines, create the processes for all of the voting systems. Well, this Amy Cohen was also contacted by the Secretary of State's General Counsel, Michelle Tassinari, who was was going to be the president-elect. They called NASED, so I became on a blacklist of all the state election directors. Why? And my view is all of these states are violating federal law. All of them are deleting ballot images. So this stuff should not go out to the general public. So I, I, there's a red flag went off and the state election directors also called Twitter. So I was being hit by the state elect. But the important thing we showed is state action was involved. In the middle of a political campaign, the political speech supersedes government speech. And so the judge said, you know, it looks like more than likely Dr. Shiva will prove state action in the full lawsuit. So the way we're coming at, you know, election integrity, people have been here for 20 years. You've had people trying to fight off Twitter. I came at it from the First Amendment route. And in that First Amendment case, I put together why they did this to me, because I was exposing ballot image deleted, the weighted race. The, so I think we have a very, very good shot and uh, at really exposing this because it's a it's it's the violation of the first amendment so yesterday i just filed a temporary restraining uh, not a temporary i called for separate from this case an injunction to stop the certification of the u.s senate race in massachusetts again all pro se but in the midst of this you know it's been fascinating for me because the last 40 years of my life has been about systems and pattern analysis signal detection that's what i do from sleep analysis to stuff for uh, in a military uh, analysis for bridges, for civil engineering. And this is no different. It's a complex system. You have a system where you're seeing a signal of defective behavior, and that's really pattern analysis. So that's when we did that video um, where we put out uh, this, uh, the first video was showing this anomalous behavior of this line in 
uh, in uh, three counties, in Oakland County, in uh, um, Macomb County, and in Kent yeah. County. And we put Michigan. that in Michigan, yeah. in Michigan. We put that out. It went viral. You know, I got calls from all the people from the White House, et cetera, everyone very interested in knowing what to do. And I haven't dealt with these people. So I was a little bit trying to figure out what we wanted to do. And we, we decided that we wanted to be the scientists, the engineers, not get drawn into the left or right dialectic because we, we think there's a bigger opportunity to here for people to really get, really look at this problem as a real problem, not as a political issue. And my issue yeah, is yeah. both parties, frankly, have shit on their hands everywhere. Both parties yeah. have been involved in this. And I think both of them don't care. So I don't know what the theatrics is out there. I don't trust a lot of it because some, and, and you see people raising money on election fraud right now. Okay. Yeah. Um, but what I can tell you is <laughs> the, that when we put out that video, you had some, here's a problem in this field. You have statisticians and mathematicians who do not know anything about the field of engineering systems or pattern analysis. This is a systems problem. This is a pattern recognition problem which is a very different field. It's a complex field versus just looking at a line. That's why you had a very stupid uh, guy in England who said, oh, Dr. Shiva's wrong. This is just a line. What's wrong with the line? That would be no more stupider than someone seeing a sine wave and saying, what's wrong with the sine wave on a, on a you know, ECG? Well, a sine wave is ventricular fibrillation, okay? Because a pattern is supposed to be a QRSD complex. So in the second video that we did, we actually said, look, this is what the normal behavior looks like. It's a parabolic curve. You know, it's got various pieces of patterns, the line being a small piece. And when there is some serious anomaly or fraud, that beautiful arc, you know, decomposes into a simple straight line. So we've been having to educate people. And the problem is mathematicians, statisticians, election integrity people have been in this field. That's why I don't think this field uh, has, has been controlled and suffocated, this is really a systems problem. It's really a fundamentally a systems problem where you're looking for signal detection of flaws. And yeah. we do this in every other field. We do it in, in cardiology. We do it when we try to detect signals. If you're sending a wave into a, a bridge and a signal comes back, you can say, wait a minute, there's a decay in that bridge. We do it in every other field of systems, but it hasn't been done here. So we called about uh, five days ago, we said, hey, maybe we should start an election integrity engineering systems project. And about wow. 500 people showed up uh, two nights ago. Really? Yeah, we had engineers show up. So this is an engineering systems problem. It's not just an election integrity problem. It's an engineering systems problem. And engineering systems is a relatively a field that's been around for the last 15 years. And the reason this field came was a uh, place like MIT, people were recognizing all the engineering fields were siloed, civil engineering, electrical engineering, mechanical engineering. But then there are large scale systems like the healthcare system, transportation yeah. system, right? Voting yeah. system. These systems require a different kind of engineer, engineering yeah. systems. It's not systems engineering. It's engineering systems. So that's- Wait what, one second, Dr. Shiva. Are you pretty much saying that it's, is that kind of recognizing that the framework of these elections <laughs> excuse me or what what's the problem when you say systems what do you exactly so, so, yeah so so yeah, yeah so so it's very very important to understand what i'm sharing with you some very new terms engine yeah. so if you look at um you know for my phd work the problem i took was looking at how do you understand the entire system of the human cell and can you mathematically model the whole human cell 
That's not a biology problem, okay? It is not a computer science problem. It's not a math problem. It's an engineering systems problem. It requires a multidisciplinary approach and it requires a whole different science, frankly, pattern recognition science, engineering system science. So, so as human beings have created complex systems, a bridge you may think is a complex system. You may think, okay, um, a, a robot is a complex system, but there are systems of systems problems. A voting system is not just one system. It's the entire logistics process of a vote. There's a computing piece of it, right? There's a gerrymandering yeah. piece. It's a system of systems problem. And that requires yeah. a very different engineering system science. That's why the math guys are never gonna help with this. They're just gonna be stupid, frankly, and just look at simple lines or charts. And this is a much different class of problems. It's called engineering systems. So for example, people are trying to understand um, the logistics systems of the entire military. That's an engineer. It's such a complex problem. You have to actually develop new principles. So my view, that's why we call this call for an engineer. I have a research and education center called the International Center for uh, Systems Thinking, uh, sorry, a Center for Integrative Systems. So we started tackling large scale meta problems. That's what the electoral system is. And so my, so in, in some ways it's fascinating because, um, you know, here I go through fraud myself, right? The egregious yeah. fraud. I happen to be fortunate to have all this uh, experience on engineering systems. And so I think the approach we took here when, when we did those three videos was to really say, look, this anomaly that you're seeing here is not just a little line graph, it's a signal detection problem. And it's no different. And then we show the normal curve. So that's the way we need to look at this problem. Perhaps it's a very different look on how people have been looking at it, but it's the only, only way we're gonna address this. Someone on our call yeah. yesterday said, you know, this is bigger than the Manhattan Project where you had to work on so many different, I mean, when they were building the nuclear bomb, you had to learn how to refine plutonium. You had to learn how to build it. You had to learn how to deploy it. It's multi, it's a multifaceted yeah. problem. It's not any one yeah. piece. Yeah, I, I, I often yeah. talk about, you know, the three, uh, the three heads of the dragon when it comes to our elections. You know, always pointing out that the tabulation machines have proprietary software from all companies, the four major companies, whether it be ESNS, Smartmatic, Dominion or Hearts, the running the GEMS program, whatever the case may be, they all have proprietary software and could flip votes. But that's just one head of the dragon because if you look at the whole picture, you know, the mail-in process that came this time, just shotgunning out these mail-in ballots, uh, which just made it ripe for fraud. I mean, I think back in the days, if you look at the historians, they used to dub it the secret ballot because you don't know where it's coming from. And the area which I want to make the biggest implement, uh, the big, biggest impact, I should say, is the actual, what I call front of the house of the elections, the way the elections are run, um, being, you know, whether where you come in, how you vote, that whole process, which that process, in my personal opinion, has been purposely sacked to be long, four, five, six, seven hours to disenfranchise younger people to come and get involved in the product, uh, the process, because who's going to want to wait five, six, seven hours? So I guess what I'm trying to say is the language you're talking about, you're looking at the overall picture of how elections are run to try to move forward and get it straight. Is that what your eye of the prize is looking forward? Yeah, because yes. So what I'm yeah, saying is okay. if you take, you know, I just did a course today. I teach a course every weekend out of our center calling systems thinking, engineering systems. So very simple. If you take a box, this is 
there's an input to that box, there's an output, okay? Mm-hmm. And, and the box has a process. So when you look at any type of engineering system, the inputs coming in need to be verifiable. You need to understand what the inputs are. You need to understand all the processes within that system. So the output that comes out, if it is evidence, in science, evidence is unambiguous predictions. Because when on, on election night, you're seeing these numbers, all you're seeing is numbers, right? What are yeah. those numbers? No different than numbers of, oh, the, you know, I'm, I'm firing a rocket and it's going like this, right? Uh, yeah. if, you're, if you're watching it on, on TV or something, right? Well, those numbers are a prediction, right? They're a trajectory of which way that election's going. That's all they are. Well, in order for those numbers to be evidence of an actual event, you know, Biden is winning over Trump or Trump is winning over Biden, in order for that to be evidence, it has to be unambiguous. The definition of evidence is unambiguous predictions. I mean, you saw, what is it, Tucker Carlson and um, what's her name, fighting, right? They don't even know the definition of evidence, I'm sorry. Evidence is unambiguous predictions. So the issue is, if you cannot validate that the numbers coming out are actually verifiable or, or, or unambiguous, it's not evidence. So this yes. is something we should really reconsider. What is evidence? So okay. when when the outputs can be manipulated by internal systems, which, as you said, are not you know transparent, right? That people do not understand what those outputs actually are. I mean, yep. because the inputs can be manipulated, that means there's ambiguity. So yes, yep. So I think yeah. to your point, well, let's, yeah. I, I want us to stay on this topic since we're talking about it. Uh, hopefully, Doctor. Uh, she, uh, she, uh, hopefully Tim Canova will jump back on. Tim, if you hear us, jump back on. We'll get you involved in the conversation. He came in and out. We always want to get his opinion because there's a lot of things that happened to him as far as like what you're talking about, about the images not being turned on. They destroyed ballots in his case. And now what's going on in Georgia, they did the hand recount, but they didn't have the signatures that Giuliani kind of talked about thrown away forever, which once again, I want to know, if, are they allowed to do that? I thought it has to be 22 months with anything involved within the whole election. But let's let's stay on the pattern right now because this is something that a lot of people don't understand. And I did a show not too long ago, and I'm Joe Schmo doing a show here in my basement, but we had talked about the parabolic effects or the big jumps or these mathematical anomalies that happened in the primary, uh, being in Texas when it came to Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders. Now, a lot of people always say, how come they call the race for instance, in Michigan, the area that you talked about, for Joe Biden, they called Michigan with 54% reporting in the primary against Bernie Sanders when he was at 100,000 votes ahead. And a lot of people would always say, well, how are you calling this race while all these people are in line and they didn't get the vote yet and there's still 45% more votes to come in? And, and the Democratic Party, the networks, they would say, well, we have that pattern in right now. We have that sample size of votes and it would really have to deviate way outside the realm for Bernie Sanders to have a chance. In other words, he's too far behind in the game from the sample size of votes that came in for us to not call him right now and say Biden is the winner. So when you see Donald Trump on election night, 59% in, which was 5% more than when they called it for Biden against Bernie Sanders, 59% and he's 325,000 votes up, you're saying to yourself, how come they're not using the same math and calling it now well, we know they wait until they get to 90-something odd percent, and then it's still the night. Here comes a big dump or a big, or a big uh, 
flip. We don't know which one it is. We're just still trying to figure out. There's now affidavits signed and evidence that they saw these uh, ballots come in. But can you give a little, a, a little bit of uh, a little example, a little, uh, a little small teaching in the why we can call those votes at such an early, those races at such an early stage when the votes come in? Because I think people don't understand when we say Dr. Shiva just showed and we saw these parabolic effects going on. We know something's up because it's not, it's out of the norm. It's, it, it is now ambiguous, right? So can yeah, you give a little idea? Yes, what so just the, of- yeah, so just to be specific, look, um, I find it quite uh, unfortunate that we have, first of all, organizations like the AP, which are basically yeah. a conglomerate of media companies. I think the chairman of the board of AP is Hearst Publications, okay, which is one of the biggest monopolies of publishing of the publishing world. So why is AP calling, you know, democratic elections is like a propaganda arm of the, of the bourgeoisie of the elites, right? They're yeah. the ones who are oh, determining yeah. elections. This doesn't make any sense, right? Yeah. And the way they call it is very suspect too. Right. It's very dirty. Right. So. And then over here, so you have the media companies calling elections over here. You have, and by the way, they're a nonprofit. Okay. AP, you know, or, or right. And then over here, oh, yeah. you have another nonprofit called NASCD, National Association of State Election Directors. And I think we need to put a spotlight on these guys. That's what came out in our lawsuit, right? In the testimony. Who runs NASCD? NASCD is run by an organization called Democracy Works. Sounds all good. Democracy Works. But they're funded by the Rockefeller Brothers and Quadrivium, okay, which is owned by the Murdoch, the uh, the, the husband and wife Murdoch, Carolyn Murdoch, who's a never Trumper Murdoch. Okay. So you have yeah. both wings of the establishment are essentially running an organization, which is the association of all the state election directors who are determining the infrastructure for all of this voting equipment. So you have that and you have a media company, none of people we ever elected, none of people that should have any say in how, you know, determination of, okay. I mean, in our election master, 1%, they, Two percent, they call the vote. Marky wins. Okay, who's making yeah. who's making all this up? Yeah, I, mean, I know, right? The, the fact that that's even allowed in one of the most fundamental systems, right? Infrastructure systems that run our lives are supposed to run our essence of existence in a democratic system. Absolutely. Everyone should. Everyone should be. I'm glad there's a Second Amendment. You know, um, <laughs> so it's it's frankly true. It's like this stuff is completely insane you don't do this in any other field even private companies public companies they have to follow certain regulatory frameworks they can't be you know public company is under strict guidelines right when they can report earnings reports when they can do this right they can't be reporting earnings reports because and and then people selling stocks they still try to do people go to jail for that here you have people predicting election reports based on nonsensical predictions and what's unfortunate is I'm surprised the courts don't intervene and do something. And when it comes to actually going into the court and saying, we want to show these statistical anomalies, most courts will not accept statistical anomalies unless you show something that's so egregious, right? So yeah. the pattern in, there's two patterns you see in Michigan, the straight line pattern, which is a signal of disease in my view, and the normal yeah. pattern, which is this parabolic curve. And on the x-axis is the percentage of Republican straight party votes. And the y-axis was looking at the difference. It's a, it's a distance measure. Again, a lot of mathematicians got it wrong. It's not just 
percentages, it's what's called a feature. And we're looking how that feature varies and it should vary in a parabolic arc type situation. It didn't. So I think it's very, very important that people understand that there has not been put in. Uh, I believe we need election engineering science. I don't believe, I, I think this whole area is a virgin area. I think yeah. we have civil engineering, we have mechanical engineering, we need almost democratic engineering science. And we need to bring in people who've been doing the engineering fields. Because what's happened is there's been a motley of people who have not taken on this as a scientific endeavor or, or as an engineering endeavor. Science engineering is much more important. So when you look at these entire systems, what we really need to start recognizing is that these systems need an engineering framework. Because I'll tell you this, I just found out um, uh, that when you go to a precinct, inventory control, another whole system, that okay. there are precincts, they know only 20,000 people are gonna come vote, but they have 100,000 ballots printed. And so what's stopping them from just taking 40,000, putting them in, there's no, uh, there, uh, Benny was telling me this. I said, Benny, it should all be print on demand. He goes, that's what I've been asking for. There's no oh, reason yeah. you should have 200,000 printed ballots because you could easily grab them and, you know, put them in and shove them in. This would never happen in any other field at all. And the fact yeah. that this is happening is because lawyers, politicians, talking heads, people who know nothing, nonprofit people, people who have never studied science, technology, engineering, or math, or have been way too involved in this system. And I think it needs to be completely redone or completely uh, reframed. So, no, no. I, can I just jump in there, Dr. Sure. Shiva, and say amen, number one. You know, I didn't try to use this language because I, you know, I come from where the activists in the streets with the Bernie Sanders people, you know, with, that's where I started and eventually, you know, started doing this, the combo couch. And now I consider myself a leftist libertarian who fights for you know, uh, protection of our civil liberties, election integrity, and trying to end the regime change wars, obviously. But I know a lot of the people right now where I'm trying to get them mentally involved. They listen to Bernie Sanders when he says, we have a systemic racist problem within our, 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 our prisons. So I've been using the, the, the term, our elections have systemic issues that need to be cleaned across the whole board. So when you're talking this language about bringing the engineering in, because yes, what you have brought to the table to me was so exciting and so new, and I haven't looked at this kind of area of saying, well, how can we prove that it's easy to flip these votes in the machines? And what you're talking about right now is so big and so important. That's why I was so eager to get you on the show to talk about this. So your whole, uh, your whole, let me say, run of the mill of going through a lot of these election integrity activists, you haven't seen or you're trying to create now, I guess, something new. Uh, moving forward. Well, I think, well, yes. Yeah, so, 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 is that what you're saying? Yeah, let me tell you what happened. In 2003, there is a profound change that took place in science and engineering. And it occurred when the Human Genome Project ended, and it had a huge effect on many of the engineering fields. Um, at MIT, you know, they had just individual departments, you know, these individual departments. What happened in 2003? We went and we realized that scientists and people are in these little siloed worlds, don't really understand maybe how systems actually work, be it natural systems or man-made systems. What happened in 2003? Well, starting in 1993, there was a big project initiated called the Human Genome Project. And that project said, 
we knew in 1993 a system called a worm, a simple worm, had about 20,000 genes. So we said, oh, if a worm has 20,000 genes, 20,000 parts, the human system must have what? Well, we must have, we're more complex. We must have at least a million genes, okay? So starting in 1993, government, NIH, bunch of the world organizations funded the Human Genome Project, which is to start mapping out the human genome to figure out how many genes we had. So remember, here are people who said that the complexity of a system is a function of the number of parts, how many parts you have. So the Genome Project starts in 1993, and the goal was like 100,000 to, you know, like a million genes. Well, they don't find that many. By early uh, or 1995, they changed their estimates. Maybe there's only 100,000 genes. Then they lowered even more, 40,000, 80,000, 40,000. Guess how many genes we have, Greg? Guess how many genes we have? I don't know. Uh, we have 20,000 genes. We have the I same. Gonna say, I was going to say 100,000. Okay. No, we have the same number of genes as a worm. Okay. Okay. In fact, plants have more genes around 35,000. And this, so by 2003, a revolution took place in biology. People said, wow, we don't, we're looking at nature in a different way. We thought more parts, more complexity. It turns out it's not the number of parts it's the interconnections, how these parts are interconnected. The complex complexity is a function of how many connections, right? So that yeah. gave rise to a field called systems biology very new field. And that's when I came back to MIT in 2003, you know, I'd done a bunch of degrees in engineering and I always loved medicine, but I hated the world, the way the doctors would look at the body as a part. You go into a doctor, they just say, I got a headache. Okay, you gotta go see five specialists, okay? Yeah. Versus traditional systems of medicine had a different language of explaining this whole system. Voting systems are not just any one little piece, they're a complex system. So that gave rise to a field called engineering systems. And that requires a completely different discipline. It's a completely different domain expertise. And that became um, the field that I love because you can apply that to many areas. So you look at the medical freedom movement. Okay, you've had guys like certain people involved in that movement. Oh, we wanna stop the vaccines, blah, blah, blah. But all of those people like Robert F. Kennedy have been involved in that movement, sitting on the movement, telling people not to uh, rise up and really fight. Well, what's happened? They lose everywhere they go. And it turns out, Robert Kennedy's a supporter of Hillary Clinton, okay? Who really supports, who's in bed with Bill Gates. And yet everyone bows down to him as a Lord until I came and I said, this guy's full of shit, excuse my language. I said, he's been part of the problem. He's been sitting on the movement. And when you really look at the vaccine, anti-vaccine issue, it's not pro or anti-vax, it's not left or right. It's actually the right medicine for the right person at the right time. That's what systems theory tells you, that every one of us is a unique system telling everyone to take all the same vaccines doesn't work. You see what I'm saying? Now yeah. you have a framework to go beyond left and right. You look at the mask issue. One side says wear masks, the other side don't. The real issue is that masks may cause oral health damage, for example. This is a scientific fact. So we gotta pull this stuff out of the left and the right because the left and the right do horse trading. They never wanna solve a freaking problem. So you have all these nonprofits in every field, not only election integrity and medical freedom, you go at the uh, environmental issues. All of those things have these people who come in and claim they're gonna fight it, but they sit on movements. And so the only way out of this is to take a systems approach because then you take it out of, you take the power away from these folks and you bring it into a much more rational world of looking, taking a systems approach. So the election integrity issue here 
to me is a very complex systems problem. And at the okay. fundamental level, in some ways, when I look at it, Greg, you almost, we, we had a, when we had about 400 people on the call, we had, we gave opportunity for everyone to speak. We've come up with a document, which we'll publish for everyone to look at a transparent document. And one of the women on the call was very fascinating. There were people saying, we need blockchains, we need this and that, very technical solutions. And there was, this woman was very cool. She said, um, you know what? I don't know about all this technology. She said, maybe we need to go local, back to our communities, educate people on civics, the importance of participating in elections. And maybe all of this should be non-technology. Maybe it should be all hand counted. Maybe it should be a citizens run in a completely different way. Go back to old school. So there's a philosophical issue here. You know, I'm a technologist. I've been involved in technology for a long time. But I think technology at a certain point can be actually be enslavement. Maybe some of these problems, we need to take a big step back and say, do we need this much complexity for voting? Is that is this much complexity necessary? So I think there's a big philosophical issue this brings up. You know, one realm of technology, high tech and tracking and encryption and da 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 da. And the other thing, wait a minute, why don't we go back to the old town crier model? Brexit did all their votes by hand, all of it. Yeah, yeah. So why are we putting layers of technology, technology, technology? There's a guy called David Noble at MIT. He was a history of science professor. Um, you know, two days before he got his tenure at MIT, he um, he wrote a very interesting essay showing, you know, the old windshield wiper system, the automatic control. He said that was actually done by a Michigan mechanic. And two MIT professors went and took it from him. Okay. He never got tenured at MIT because he was taking away the MIT brand. But David Noble ended up becoming a Luddite. Okay. He said, a what? A Luddite, L U D D I T, it's a new word for you to learn. Luddite means someone who's against technology, someone who says, basically, Luddites believe that the, the, the technology that we should implement is a technology that uses human power. So hammers are okay because you're using human power, levers are okay. But when you start running massive burning of coal and fuel and stuff to, I mean, this is a very, it's a bigger discussion, but maybe we should rethink how much technology do we need, right? Because we thought, you know, when the printing press came, all of us were gonna be free. Well, then four major publishing companies owned all of all of the press. In 1993, when the World Wide Web came, it was great. Everyone was building their own little websites, all this freedom. Well, then it consolidated into three companies, Twitter, Facebook, yeah. Google. So, and I think that's happened with all of these technology systems because technology can consolidate even faster. So we really need to have a big rethinking about all of this. Yeah, blockchain's interesting, okay, yeah. You can do encryption. Yeah, you can do cards. Yeah, you can do this. But once you go down that realm, the average human being doesn't know what's under the hood of any of these systems. You have to get PhDs at MIT or double PhDs, or you have to have to really understand it. So why aren't we just doing paper? Why isn't it the old town crier model? Why aren't the results announced exactly at 12 midnight like they used to do in the old days? You went out and you said, Greg won the election. He got 122 votes. We can do that. So I think there's some much more fundamental issues in this because right now what I see happening is I've been in touch with a lot of these people. A lot of the lawyers are just flailing. They don't know what to do. I was on the phone with people in Arizona. They're trying to push data. The judges won't take data. You have people calling Trump people Nazis. You have so much noise. 
Yeah. And all you have is election fraud is taking place. Maybe the unfortunate thing is maybe so much of it will be discredited. People won't believe any of it's occurring. You see, there's this. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, it's crazy because like this conversation has gone even. Woo, it's, it's into the, uh, the stratosphere over here. So let me just ask you a question because you've looked at this, you know, overall. And people ask me, Pasta, what would you do if you were the uh, uh, election czar of the country? What was the what would the first thing you do? What's the first thing you would do? And I always say the first thing I do is throw out the proprietary software, the corporations, and I go to an open source software. But I'm always big on the actual process. In other words, I always say that it's not so much that, you know, uh, you know, where we cast our vote, it's where it's counted. So I'm a big believer where it's casted, it has to be counted because once you get it out that side, that building, yeah. the chain of custody and us moving our ballots or whatever to a tabulation location just as more room, you know, uh, along with it should it should be counted right. It, I, I agree with you. It should be count. It should be local. All of this should be. Yeah. You know, there's a book that E. F. Schumacher wrote many many years ago in the seventies called "Small Is Beautiful." Some people were critical of it, but there's something to be said about. Every, remember, we talked about connections. Every connection you add creates far more complexity, and that's yes. what we've done. Why aren't the votes simply counted right there at twelve yeah. midnight? No one leaves citizen run. You count it right there and you announce it right there and it's done. You're done. It's done. It's bounded. People look at it. You review it and it's counted at every precinct. Put it up on the cloud, report it, and you're done. All the ballot images, if there are any, put it up on the cloud. It should be that simple. The level of complexity we've added with technology, it's too much. Look, I run a, I run a company, Greg. I run a bunch of companies, okay? At one time, I, I created a technology for analyzing email, okay? And we built a very large, you know, multi-hundred million dollar company out of it. All the biggest uh, corporations in the world would send their email to me. We would analyze it, figure out what the content was for customer service so you could route it. Well, I remember one of the large companies one time called me. They were being sued, okay? And I needed to do a big data pull. I used to hold the companies, of, you know, the emails of many large companies in our secure data center. If I was an unethical individual, I could have just deleted that, taken money from them, right? Protect them. Oh, we don't have the emails. So what I'm trying to say is the consolidation of technology has put infinite amount of control in individuals' hands. I'm not even talking about a few people. I'm talking about a single individual, a chief technology officer of a company could make a decision like that that could affect the lives of billions or hundreds of millions of people. This is not a good thing. And I don't, I don't care how many technologies you put on there, blockchain, encryption, this, it's still a human beings involved and people can flip these things. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, 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 think, I think we need to relook at all of this. I would just say that uh, uh, machines don't cheat. People manipulating machines cheat. You know, so well, that was yeah. a re reason for me to say open source because I always wanted a system where you came in, you voted, it went into a ballot box. At the end of the night, they all come out of the ballot box, they go into the open source machine, the, the digital images, the breaking stock that's put on the internet, uh, then as soon as they come through the machine, the hand count on film gets done for the public eye to see, and then you have your results right there. I always thought that was good because we would, you know, make the breakies happy, the open source people happy, and the hand counters that are all kind of like knocking heads really happy because all three is incorporated in one. Um, but what you're saying is that sometimes maybe the complexity of too much uh, technology is bad. So if you were the election czar, 
what would be the first move you would make? I think this should all go back to local. It should go back to paper. This is my view. And, and you're hearing this from an MIT technologist, okay? I know. I think, I think until we figure out the entire supply chain of this, we should keep it simple, stupid principle. Follow the KISS principle. It should be local, citizens run, a lot of local citizens. People, I mean, look, politicians suck. Lawyers suck, okay? These people are crooks. And the reason we're here is because you, the average citizen, has outsourced your democracy to a bunch of, frankly, people who... You, you, you're losing because you're outsourcing your stuff to people who have no right to be involved. So citizens have to get involved. I think this should be paper, actual paper. There should be maybe even carbon paper. You get it, you get a receipt. And if you want to image it, like Brakey said, you put it up, that's it. And you count it on that day at the precinct level, it's done. No transport, that precinct should be firewalled. You get the data, it's counted right there. And it's done. No one, uh, you know, should be taking any data out of that room. Keep it yeah. paper. And if you want to image it for archival, great. Xerox it, image it, put it up. But a lot of citizens need to get involved. And that's not a hard thing to do. This is actually easier. This is very easy to do. And I yeah. think that's what that's what should happen. Look, the there's other countries who do this, okay? India has a billion people. They count votes. Yeah. Every and that night you get the result. And that night you get the result. Okay? Yeah. The fact, look, voting systems are an infrastructure problem. Bridges are infrastructure. Water systems are infrastructure. America, by the way, got rated on that infrastructure side, a D plus by the American Society of Civil Engineers. Massachusetts got an F minus minus. Number, third worst infrastructure in the United States. And correlating to that was Massachusetts was rated as the 10th most corrupt. Uh, I think Hawaii is number one, okay? Where Tulsi Gabbard's from, Yeah. okay? Yeah. Um, so you have these states, infrastructures are falling apart, massive corruption. Corruption loves horrible infrastructure because bad infrastructure means you can't track anything. So there's, yeah. and that's what's happened. Voting systems are an infrastructure problem. So you know what you do when you have massive infrastructures? You go back to small, you decentralize. You go back to small is beautiful because they yeah. built these mammoth infrastructures and they're falling on top of themselves. And the, and the voting system is an example of that. I think we need, if I were the quote unquote elections are, I say freaking go back local, go local, citizens, citizens participation, you know, people. What would you do with mail-ins? I don't think. Would I don't you think limit should, them? Would you? I, I don't think we should have mail-ins. Yeah, okay, but see, then, Dr. Shiva, that, then, then we have to answer the problem of these elections, the process of voting, and, and this is the job that I, I want, because I come from the restaurant industry. Why do we need mailings? Why, why don't people in a local community pick up people, be local citizens, right, bring them in to vote, everyone votes. It should be a model that's a civic model. It has to be, we have to go back to the sense of community. You're participating in the community. You know, you get the day off. Okay, let's make it that yeah. important. You know, yeah. instead of mail-in, why don't we give people the whole day off? And so you have more than enough time to go to a local precinct and vote. Okay, your neighbors yeah. should take you. What about making this a community model where you build back the essence of what it means to be a citizen? I mean, we've eliminated all of that, right? Technology, you know, it's, it's I think we got to go back to community, community, community. 
That's where this is about. We got people wearing masks. We got social distancing. Uh, WHO says everyone should be on video games. I don't know if you know that. The World Health Organization is telling parents to put their kids on video games. So we're isolating people on these technology tubes, getting them away from interacting with human beings. And that's the systemic, if there is a systemic issue, that's what it is. It's the elimination of human beings interacting with each other. And that's what you get here. And, and those in power love it because a few nerds or a few people behind some opaque doors can flip a few switches. And like in my election and Tim's election, they don't have to campaign. They look at us as fools. I'm out there pounding the pavement hard, actually meeting people. And they're sitting there and saying, look at that fool. Probably what they thought of me. You know, we're going to flip a switch because we have the technology prowess. That's why I think we need to go back to hand counted. And that's the you technology. Know, it's funny because like a lot of the open source guys, you know what they tell me? They said, pasta, listen, if it's a choice between using a proprietary software and hand counting, us open source guys will say, let's go hand counting because that's how strongly they feel when it has proprietary software in there. And I think you guys have pointed out that these aren't bugs in here that are having these weighted elections. These are features. And in fact, uh, Sydney Powell put down, uh, she said the other day, these are features. She used the word features and she used the word that all the other companies could uh, do the same thing with this, uh, with, with the counting when it comes to the ballots. Uh, obviously, we're talking about the bigger picture, what's to come and what you think where we need to go. Can we concentrate a little uh, little bit for a second about what's going on right now as far as the press conference of you know Giuliani and City Powell the other day? I thought Giuliani laid out beautifully what's going on. There was a few parts. I wasn't crazy, but I want to know your thoughts because this is where they lost me. And I thought that this was not for the benefit of the president. When Sidney Powell talked about Smartmatic and where it started, talking about the ghost of Hugo Chavez and all that situation, whether that be true or not, I thought that was not an argument for right now. I think it was more important to point out what's going on. What do you think the state of this camp, of, this, the, of the uh, Trump lawyers are at and what they're trying to get there and, and what's going to happen? Do you see the results just going through? I mean, I know you got to be somewhat pessimistic to hope that the courts will help us. You, Tim Kenobi, you got no help when they don't even have the ballot images that they're supposed to have for 22 months. Tim ran into the whole thing where they didn't even have the ballots after 22 months. What are your thoughts about what's going on right now and what we were more likely to see in the next couple of weeks from the Trump team? Uh, yeah, I think you're asking a good question. Look, I am a believer that all change when you look at history has always come bottoms up and every election cycle we with the media it's very seductive to outsource our responsibility to others so when i look at what's going on with this what i actually see is the same top-down model we're all looking at two people over here giuliani sydney powell as though they're going to solve something they're not going to solve anything you know why because this is unsolvable by them lawyers are not going to solve this and anyone who's watching drama on TV, what they're getting is entertainment. And okay. that's all that's happening. The only way any of these systemic issues are ever solved is bottoms up. Bottoms up, if you look at any movement when there was a people having suffering in the late 1800s, early 1900s, you know, the, the factory systems in this country were filthy systems, the abuse of workers. It was a broad based bottoms up movement. That's what I'm a believer of. It's atoms moving bottoms up, people taking responsibility for their lives. It's not going to happen over here. I mean, I'm getting emails 
give me this much money. We're fighting election fraud. I mean, people make people make money off. I'm going to fight for medical freedom. Give me money. Robert Kennedy wanting $30,000 to fly around. All these nonprofit groups always come about. People create models and it's not based on empowering people bottoms up. I just put something out there. Um, look, going back to local, everyone listening can do something very, very simple. This is what you can do. You have people fighting. There's no evidence, right? Tucker Carlson, et cetera. Well, here's a simple evidence and everyone can do it right now. They can go in your local town, go find the town clerk, go find their name, email them, ask them for two data files. And if you want to send it to me, I'll process it for you. Ask them for the participating voters list. Go to that town hall, issue a public records request. In fact, what I just did recently was we put up a, um, a site which is right off, uh, people want to go to, uh, it's, uh, I'll put it up here for you. Um, we put up a- yeah, This is great right here, because I'm going to do this as soon as you're done. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go request this data. Yeah, so the two things, if you, I think uh, if you want, I can bring it up for your, uh, I can share it on your Zoom if you want, but- um, Please do. Yeah, let, Please let, me, do. let me see if I can do this here. Um, because my next question is how do we, yeah. coming from the bottom up, how do we, pierce through all that power that controls so many things, you know, above us. But I, I'd like to hear your, your solution yeah, to that. Let me, um, let me just share this with you. I think, you, can you see this here? Yeah. I can. So Dr. So, Shiva wants you. Yeah, yeah. So let me tell you what we, we just did this very quickly, but we did a little, because people always want a nice graphic, okay? What you it's see- It's not coming up. Oh, here it is. It's on yeah, the screen. Yeah, Perfect. so what you see here, let me see if everyone can see this here. Oh, good, it's coming up. Okay. So what you see here is we say, you go get the evidence. This is what it says. It's the lawyers and talking heads are, this is my, and you can read into this, what I think about what's going on in the press, are talk are feuding about evidence. They can never deliver us election integrity. Only you can. Dr. Shiva wants you to take five simple actions. I mean, it's a little more than that. Itemize below with your local city town clerks. Dr. Shiva and his team of citizen data analysts will do the rest. So here's the thing. Find the email. You can do this, right? Everyone listening can do this right now. Find the email address of your town clerk. Open up your email system, address the email to the email address of the town clerk. In the subject line, put public records request for participating voters list and ballots cast. Cut and paste the following email. I even wrote out the email for people. This is what we use in Massachusetts where we found out there were more votes than voters. And write to the town clerk and say, I would like to formally request the following two items. Item number one, they're supposed to give this to you, the list of voters. The actual people loaded. Please provide me the list of those who participated in the recent November 3rd, 2020 elections broken down by method of voting, which is either they were early party absentee mail-in at the polls or provisional. Please send me this electronically. We got this. So the first, the first data file that's to give you is Bill, Bob, Joe, blah, 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 voted. Some voted and there's a field in there. That's number one. So if you look up all those names, let's say there's 100 people, that means 100 people, the input voted in that precinct, either mail-in or early, et cetera. The second data file you should ask them for them is a ballots cast, also known as a cast vote cast record. Vote record. And, yeah. and this document provide, should provide me the total number of ballots cast in the recent November 3rd, 2020 elections. That'll include, they'll break it up, right in, under votes, right? The blank votes, the over votes, sometimes people fill in both boxes, right? Uh, and broken down by method, early absentee slash mail-in at the polls provisional. 
and send me that. That's it. Based on your state law, they should take, typically take 10 days. If we get those two lists, we will count them for you. I said, send me to this email. We're going to post them up there. Anyone in the United States should do this. Go to your local town. Send, this is evidence. It's so freaking simple. So I'm frankly frustrated with all these lawyers. I don't think they know what the hell they're doing. You know, they're the ones who created this problem. Being okay. very, very frank we with you. We do this. Yeah. What is this the benefit for, though? Why, why do we want to get this information? Okay, why do we want to get this information? Let's talk about that. Well, because what is evidence? Unambiguous predictions. What this will show is in your local town clerk, if you find out that there are more votes than voters, that's it. That's not, that, that little, what occurred in that town clerk is null and void. That's true irregularity. That's grounds for filing a serious lawsuit and saying that election is null and void. It's so simple. X hundred people came in, and if you got 20 votes, something's wrong. It's that simple. And the election official better have a damn good reason why that took place. So we're going to get all that data. I think, I think it's already gotten about 3,000 or 2,000 retweets already or something like that. I'll do it. I'll do it. Tucker Carlson, I'll give you the evidence. Look at all these towns all across the United States where there's more votes or less votes. It should be perfect. These people get paid to count votes. Simple numbers, the integer numbers. So yeah, we have yeah. people talking about weighted race. I've talked about it. But at the end of the day, this is so simple. Everyone listening, get off your butts, walk away from the TV, go to your email, or I've also done it where you can print it out and walk in Monday morning and ask for it. Tell them, and you can sign it and say, I need these two data files. Email them to me, drshiva at vashiva.com. I'll count them for you and we'll put it up. We'll say, here's a yeah. town, you know, Omaha, Nebraska, the town of, you know, Boston, Mass. We found out when we did this, Greg, in Massachusetts, Boston had 4,118 more votes than voters. Newton. Yeah, I saw 1, that. So, so we should all do this. So yeah. now so what do we do if we, we, we show that there's irregularities? What's the next step then? What, I mean, the whole process a lot of times they just give us a lot of guff and push the results through. Well, that's the reason they're doing this, Greg, is because as the data goes up and up, as you were saying, it gets transported up and up out of the precincts, out of the towns, up to the counties. That's when massaging takes place. When you go back to the source, which is right in that town, now you can hold that person accountable, okay? That yeah. individual. It's not some fluff up here, Michigan County, Oakland, or the state of Michigan. These are just, no, this town, this town clerk, this election division officer, you hold people by their throat accountable for what they did. So, and, and we're telling a citizen in the local town, get off your butt and go do your job as a citizen. Go down, these laws were set up so you can get the public records request. And this physical now, they're actually sending you, here are the voter rolls that people voted, 100 people, and here's a ballot cast. So I think that's what we should do. Get away from technology, minimum maybe write an email, and then harangue the hell out of these people. Hey, give me my two data files all yeah. day long. This is something that's so simple. And the reason I woke up this morning, I said, this has to be a people's movement. What can an individual do that can affect change? They can go ask for this information. And if they don't know how to add, send it to me. I'll add it up for you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll make yeah. it easy. 
So this seems like we're we're not going through a vague thing like you say. We're going right we're right to the source. Through to the specific yeah, well, well, person. Yeah, all, all we're doing is watching TV and drama and blah 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 blah. And I'll tell you, man, all of these people, these lawyers, and they all party with the same people. Don't tell me that they didn't know this shit was going on for 20, 30 years. Don't tell yeah. me suddenly they're waking up. And I yeah. agree with you. Why are you talking about Hugo Chavez in Venezuela? Let's talk about yeah. this country. We had exactly. Jimmy, Jimmy Carter running around all over the world, pointing fingers at other countries, China, India, all these countries, these black and brown and yellow people are backward, third world. No, we're backward. This country yeah. has become a third world banana republic. Leave those other yeah. countries alone. Stop intervening in them because we were the ones who supported their generals and dictators. We're the ones who implemented horrible uh, dictators in all these countries. We exported out war. We exported out corruption. We exported out manipulation. And don't you think the chickens have come home to roost? And so lawyers aren't going to solve this. Politicians aren't going to solve this. Talking heads aren't going to solve it. You're going to solve it. If you want to solve it, get off your butt. I gave a very simple answer. Go to your freaking town hall. Ask them for these two data files. And if they don't give it, freaking, you know, Bring, yeah, yeah. You know, bring, bring twenty hundred. Until they do give it. Yeah. And I think it's so funny what you're talking about is like because we always use the excuse that their elections suck and that's the reason why we're going forth with regime change. Their elections are awful, but meanwhile, our elections are the worst. And it was funny too the way the Trump team was talking about Hugo Chavez and we. I saw you on the show with the Hoffs uh, from the Gateway Pundit, and it was so funny because they would point to Jimmy Carter's work on mail-in ballots as he was the one who told us. But now they're just ignoring his information when he says that they, Venezuela had the best elections in the world. So it's like they cherry pick the information when it suits them. And you can just see this kabuki theater going on. And like you said, this has been going on for a long time. I'm just happy to see that at least somebody is standing up and saying this is wrong. Now all this language and all this talk we see from a lot of Trumpers is great because we were talking this language for what, four years now? So uh, – yeah, Dr. Shiva, I think it's awesome to what, how we can start being part of the solution on the local level rather than just looking at all this guff in front of us. So, I mean, I think that's. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and I'll here. bring it up here again. It's very easy for people now to simply go here. I think I had it here still. Yeah, I think if you it's so simple. I made it really simple. Nice little graphic. Go get the evidence. You go get the evidence. Screw Tucker Carlson. Screw these lawyers. You go get it. And you can do it via email. There's the email you simply have, or I even made a little file for you. There's a little file. People can literally go download it. You can print it out, put your name, go right into your, uh, go right into them, you know, take a picture, videotape them, you know, just do it. It's all right here. So we made it that simple. It's done. We need people to start taking responsibility for their lives and stop outsourcing it to numbskull lawyers. They don't know what the hell they're doing. They, they're, they're, if anything, what they care about is, are they going to get their next job? Okay. That's yeah, what yeah. this is about. What's their next gig going to be? Okay. If Trump goes yeah. away, what's their next gig? That's what you're looking at. Yeah. And they'll say stuff. Bernie Sanders said a lot of bullshit. At the end of the day, he gave all of his votes to Hillary Clinton. Okay. Yeah. That's what he did. And he bowed down to Biden. He bowed down to warmongers. He didn't build an independent movement. So Bernie's full of shit. Okay. Yeah, yeah, all of yeah. these guys are full of shit. The only people yeah, yeah. I trust are working people who actually work for a living. And those working people have been brainwashed to outsource their decision making. 
So that's yeah. that's that's so it's really up to people. Uh, it depends yeah. on what people want to do. It's not going to come from these talking heads. And so it's it's going to be interesting. It's like new soap opera, and maybe you feel good watching it, but frankly, it's not going to do anything in my view. It's it's, yeah, a, it's but Dr. Shiva, yeah. listen on this network over here. When we would talk about electoral politics, when we would talk about what was going on with Bernie or Tulsi or what Elizabeth Warren was talking about green bombs, and we were all you know always in that kind of field. We would get so many more likes than if we would talk about election integrity. Now people are talking about it, but how do we get people? more involved with election integrity because I tell people all the time, hey, you want a Green New Deal? You're not going to get it without election integrity. Hey, you want Medicare for all? You're not going to get it without election integrity. Whatever populist idea you want to get through, it's never going to get through unless we get the Dr. Shivas and the Tim Canovas, the Angelica Gwenesses in, and we and people don't understand that the battle for everything we want so holy is right here. How do we get people involved? Because I've never seen people get involved like they are right now until it happened to Donald Trump. And Trump said, no, no, no. Whereas Bernie bent over and said, OK. Yeah, I think, look, I think the first thing people need to understand is that this is not uh, this is not Democrat. It's not Republican. It's not independent. You know, this is not black or white. This is uh, something that is affects everyone, because if you do not, if your vote can be manipulated, if the input to that system can be manipulated to a different output. It's that simple. It's not one person, one vote. If you cannot have that integrity, we're going to have 70 million people pissed off with another 70 million people. And maybe that's what the establishment wants. Maybe the way they'll want to play election integrity is never to have a solution. So we are all fighting each other. Maybe this is the new divisiveness. Okay. So, but engineers, working people, a plumber, an electrician, a mother, we actually have to solve problems. Lawyers don't. Think about the lawyer model. Greg, what is the model of a lawyer? What's their business Make model? Sure there's problems so they can go and defend people that have jobs. Well, no, their entire, yeah, their entire business model is yeah. the longer a problem goes and- The more money they make. The more money they make. So just yeah. think about, so don't tell me you're gonna take a, you know, a, a wolf and overnight change it to a sheep. You're not. Because yeah. their model is the longer a problem goes, they get, more publicity, they get more money, they build their brand. That's what you're watching. Why would a lawyer ever want to solve this problem? They're going to be out of business. Why do they want to solve any problem? Lawyers make money the longer a divorce goes on. Lawyers make money the longer a dispute goes on. The longer yeah. a problem goes on, they make money. But we, working people, don't. We got other shit to do, okay? Yeah, no we shit. want to solve yeah. problems. So if we want to actually solve problems, what we have to do is step back and say, who's going to solve this problem? We're going to solve this problem. That's what we're yeah. supposed to do. And the way to solve this problem is local. Go to your freaking town clerk. You know, they should yeah. know that you mean business, that you're going to bring more and more people out there. I want this data. Show me the freaking data because yeah. that's yeah. that's eye to eye. You're looking at them now. They're your neighbors. They walk down the street. You know who they are. And that's how we got to make it. We have to make this local. As long as it's outsourced to some computer machine in the sky, which is doing some races and manipulating stuff, it's the nerds are involved in there. That's not what life is. We got to bring it yeah. down in a very simple way. It's got to be local. It's got to be hand counted. That's my solution on this. That's the technology here. That's what yeah. a MIT technology guy is telling you, that the technology here is going back to hand counting and making it local. 
I don't trust anything yeah. at all. All these guys are full of shit. That's, it's fascinating. Yeah. It's fascinating. You know, I, I thought this interview was going to be a little bit different today. We, uh, you know, I'm glad we're talking about solutions right now because myself, I'm, people ask me all the time, Pospet, you've been involved with this for a while. What do we do? You know, uh, you know and, and hearing you say, well, you know, we have to just get more local. We have to throw out the technology that is kind of screwing us or the way we use our technology, I think, is important as well. Um, but after we identify the problems, after we ask our neighbors for these records and stuff like that, and if we do find irregularities, what's the next step then, Dr. Shiva? I'm telling you, the solution is hand-counted, okay? And it has to so be we, local. No, but what and, do we do to get that well, hand-counting? If, if our elections aren't good to us to run, because people say, well, then run for office. Yeah, but there's... No, no, the, 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 you have to go to mass action. You know, in the 1800s, 1900s, there were millions of people in Times Square protesting in this country, okay? They yeah. have to, we have to put a gun to the head of these politicians if necessary, all right? It's the only way out of this. These guys are all scumbags. The politics is supposed to not be a lifelong venture. You're supposed to go in and get out. Work. That's why I keep saying working people unite. You know, working yeah. people need to unite for truth, freedom, and health. That's the movement that we're building. It has to be bottoms up, working people. We don't want Bernie Sanders who never did a freaking job in his life. We don't want talk show hosts who are determining our future. We don't want Tucker Carlson. He watches which way the wind blows, okay? He's a master grifter. All these people that we outsource our lives to, it's you. You have to understand that you have to take action locally. Let me give you an, let me give you an example, okay? We issued a FOIA, a public records request to the town of Boston, one of the most corrupt, run by a guy called Marty Walsh, okay, who called me a white supremacist, by the way, okay? That's how they suppress you. So anyway, we issue, and it's another whole story. So we issued a, a request saying we want these items. I want participant list on September 4th. One of our working people took off from work, went down there, not a volunteer, not some college student who has a lot of time, a working person took off work, did it for our campaign. Well, 10 days go by, 20 days go by. So you know what we did? 20 of us went down to city hall without wearing our stupid freaking masks. We walked in, 20 cops came. And what did we do? We said, we're not leaving here. I said, here's the request we made on September 4th. You're violating Massachusetts law. Where is it? We're not leaving. You know what? Within 20 minutes, we got that data. Do you have footage of this? Yeah, we have footage. Yep. It's on, please, if you can That's, put a link to that or whatever, we will, I would love we'll, to see that. We'll put All it. Right, so you got the, within 20 minutes, you got 20 minutes, and the cops were actually supportive of us, the Boston police. So, yeah. Okay? And here's this guy. And by the way, we saw the mayor without wearing a mask, supposedly telling everyone, everyone else to wear a mask. That's how you deal with this. It has to be mass action. Who do these people think they are? Who do they think they are? And the reason we're in this situation is because of you. You meaning you, the American people, have been watching way too much freaking sports, way too much celebrities, way too much reality TV, and that's where they want you. They don't want you on the ground. And then you have people like the Robert Kennedys and the not so obvious establishment. We're going to handle it. We're your saviors. No, no one's your freaking savior. And on the right side, the Q guys are going to come down. Okay, there is no Messiah. It's us. And that's what this is going to teach us. You have to put a gun to these people's head. And I mean that metaphorically, hopefully, and hopefully it doesn't have to be physically. Okay? Yeah. That's what needs to happen. We need to hold these people accountable. We need to go back to good old civil disobedience if necessary or more. That's how this yeah. is going to end. It's corrupt because we let it get corrupt. 
we let, and every level of giving we give to them, they just think they can get away with more and more and more and more. This has gotten here because people have relinquished and they've lost their will to fight. They've, they've been drained of their whatever, their whatever chemicals in their body have been, yeah. have been squashed, okay? Yeah, I know, it's been drained. Uh, you know, listen, Dr. Shkiva, I'm with you. I just would like to, I'm hoping that people now will just pay more attention to this and they'll get in the streets with us because so many times when I ask activists for Medicare for All or who are feeding the homeless but not, they look at this as just like a secondary issue. It's like, ah, you know, that's not the- No, this is a primary issue. What's that? I think this is a primary issue. I mean, again, when we put these cards out, I know it's the primary do you know we issue. had, we had, we put that we had 3,000 volunteers go do this every day. Stop election fraud. And we have people saying, what are you talking about election fraud? That's not a good slogan. No, it's the exact slogan that needs to be talked about. Because if we don't have that, we have nothing. We have nothing. It's total nonsense. We got nothing. Yeah, I, I think it is. Have you heard of democracycounts.org? No, no. There? So you got to understand, I don't know any of these organizations. I don't have okay. any affiliation. Yeah. I've had different people call me. Um, I don't know any of them. And I frankly probably should not know any of them. I rather just know people and build bottoms up. I'd love to work with them. But I think yeah. most I of, haven't heard of them. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody put it on the chat. So I'm just... Uh, Seeing if you'd heard of him before and stuff. No, so I haven't. I, I, I haven't. I think the approach here is, if anything is, you know, we'll keep doing the science. We'll keep, you know, uh, doing this analysis and all that. But our goal, you know, on the, on the freedom side of this, you know, we call it truth, freedom and health. Truth is doing the analytics. The health and the infrastructure part is for people to have healthier systems, you know, you know and that's the systems piece. But on the freedom side, it's going to come through mass action. Everyone listening, get off your butt. I've made it easy for you. Just, you know, <laughs> go there. It's really easy. Go on the Twitter feed. It's all up there. Click on that link, cut and paste. It'll probably take you three minutes. Find the town clerk, email it to them and call them all day, harass them all day long. Where's my data? Where's my data? That's why I pay you taxes. Give me my freaking data. And that's what yeah, you yeah. should do. And, and then we'll it. ship it over to you, Dr. Shiva, to let you Just send it to, it. yeah, Dr. Shiva at VA Shiva. If you can't count it, we have tools, we'll count it. And we'll put up your name, the data. If you don't want your name, your data, the town will say, does it add up or not? Nope. 10,000 votes off, 3,000 votes off. Send people in. You can't have this. And if we find that every precinct we go to, irregularity, irregularity, that means either people didn't learn second grade math, they can't add. Because all yeah. we're asking you to add some freaking numbers. We're not asking you to make a souffle. We're not asking you to build a piece of software. All we're asking you to do is to add numbers. Yeah, yeah. That's and all we're asking you. You get paid to do it. <laughs> you can't even. Yeah, it. And, and 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 you know the election commissioners get paid hundreds of thousand dollars in many of these towns, right? The I mean, there's all we're asking. You, if you can't add, then shut down the whole thing. Shut it down and take all of you resign from all your offices. Let's put people coming there. Let's do referendum elections overnight, but get rid of all of you. you guys are all stupid. You're incompetent and you're part of the problem. But that's why I'm saying, let's go local. Let's hit them right between the eyes. Give me those pieces of data. It's my data. I paid for it. That's right. how simple right. we should make it. So Dr. Shiva, this was an amazing conversation today. I can't thank you enough. Like I said, I had something prepared. I didn't even look at my, I just said, this was a parabolic effect. We went right off the pattern of what I was 
planning on sorry about that it was some great information i got a text from tim canova he said just stay on top uh of uh what you're doing to have the interview he doesn't even want to jump in because he thought we were in a good spot Uh, i do want to get you out of here with one last question because i do want to talk a little bit about what is going on just your last question how do you think this is going to play out with the trump uh, team and the uh and the protests and everything that they're taking to the courts is there a chance they might turn over overturn these states or do you think what's in the machines is locked and loaded it's made to self-verify and it's gonna the it's gonna be the referee saying after further review the place stands your thoughts and then we'll get you out of here well look one of the most important things that as you unravel this puzzle what you realize what you realize remember we live in a uh federalist model right which means you have state rights and you have the federal government. So now think about all these uh, states, think about all these states that are swing states. Aren't they all Republican legislatures? Michigan, Republican legislature, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wisconsin, I think. But I mean, it's not not necessarily Trump. No, 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 but listen to what I'm saying. Yeah. Remember, Trump, let's be very clear, okay? To people who are saying, oh my God, the Democrats are doing this to Republicans and the Republic, you're frankly very stupid, okay? Get out of this Republican Democrat, (laughs) get out of this Republican Democrat because then you're part of the problem, okay? The Republicans and Democrats are one. Trump was not a Republican. Trump was a part of the Reform Party. Maybe he knew some politics, maybe he didn't, but he was anti-establishment. And the reason I voted for him was he never succumbed. Even on that debate stage, he kept hammering all the other Republicans and the Democrats, okay? And to me, just doing that, I don't care if if he passed one bill in the world, the fact that he made fake news a household term, he should get some Nobel Prize just for that, okay? That's my view because no one ever did that on the national stage in the lifetime I've seen in this country. But this Republican Democrat dialectic is actually very, very stupid. So when you turn around and you look at this, what you find is that the swamp doesn't give a damn about Trump. So take the take Michigan. The legislatures are Republicans. All right. They don't frankly give a damn about what's going on in Washington. Their swamp is the dome of Michigan. They control the legislatures. They're the ones who put together the laws for them. They don't care what the governor is. So if they have to strike a deal, ah, we'll give it to Biden, but we are going to maintain power here. They'll sell out Trump. Okay. So it's not Republican Democrat. This is how they want you to, this is how they keep working. People divided black people and white people fighting each other. Okay. Yeah. So the reality is that when you really unravel this, it's about power, profit, and control. It's not about truth, freedom, and health. It's about power, profit, and control. Whether in Massachusetts, the Democrats control the legislature with a rhino governor. So they don't care. They definitely don't want an outsider like me or down in Broward County, someone like Tim Canova coming up. Absolutely. So they, they and, and they screwed him. Bernie Sanders screwed him. All of them yeah, screwed him. Okay? So you yeah. got to understand that there's the national level here, but all politics is local. So the, the Republican legislature, they're not Republicans. They're a bunch of scumbags who want to control their power. So if yeah. they have to screw over Trump to keep control of the legislature, keep their votes, they'll do that. Same in Massachusetts, the Democrats, okay? If they have to keep Shiva Ayodhya out, they'll do that, okay? 
It's about local control, the local legislatures. And that's what people really not need to start thinking about. So if you think, oh my God, the Republican legislatures are gonna help Trump. No, they aren't. Look what's going on in Georgia. The governor, yeah. Georgia governor, yeah. basically gave you a big F you to Trump, right? Now yeah. he's saying he's gonna look at signatures. This is just posturing, okay? And even you take a guy like Ted Cruz, he's acting like he's gonna stop this and go after Jack Dorsey and all this. What, what Ted Cruz sees, he's a little more clever of a monkey, okay? He's saying, wow, there's 70 million Trumpers. I better maybe posture myself supporting them because I wanna prep for 2024. That's what he's doing, all right? I did a tweet, I said, hey, Ted, why didn't you have me come in and testify? Because I will actually have 100% evidence showing how Twitter colluded with the Secretary of State of Massachusetts in the testimony. He didn't call back. Do they really wanna shut down big tech? I don't think so. Yeah, I not really, those guys. Huh? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I, I do think that there are, I, I don't think there's any Democrat right now that is, is outside the establishment. The candidate I like, Tulsi Gabbard, she's on her way leaving, whatnot. Uh, but on the Republican, it seems like we have a few rogue senators and rogue uh, House members that might be fighting for actual we'll see. speech. I, I definitely think Cruz is in Rubio or plugged into the establishment. Their language alone, I mean, some of those Republicans, they feel that they're not censoring the right people. You know, like, you have to censor Iran and China more. What's wrong with you? But there does seem like a few rogue, you know, individuals within the Republican right. Party. Yeah. We need to build – we, we need Hawley to build – yesterday, the testimony from Hawley the other day for the, the senator from Missouri, what he was pointing out. And if you looked on the board behind him, a lot of the, the talk the, – he was, he was accusing – Dorsey of Twitter and talking with Facebook and con converging together to say, who do we censor? And they had election fraud up there as one of the things to say they were censoring. So I do see some, I would say, rogue senators or maybe some rogue House members in the Republican side, libertarian-minded, that might be with us. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but... Uh, you well, know, look, the real, the real is, solution... Uh, the Democratic Party yeah. independent. So, I mean, I I'm still learning that what's going on over there, but... I don't mean to interrupt you, but I did see like you know Cruz is part of the establishment. Do, do you think we have any help in Washington whatsoever when it comes to I I don't I think you're asking the wrong question, Greg. The issue is what do we need to do? We need to build a movement, and I hear you. you I need hear to build you. a true bottoms up movement. I, I should digress back to that. So. Well, I think it's the only way out. I mean, who are these guys? They're there's career politicians, Harvard Law School guys. They're part of the clique. Anything they do. They have their, they're just clever monkeys. Okay, let's talk about election fraud now. Let's talk about we're against big tech censorship, right? They're not gonna yeah. do, they're not gonna do anything because they're part of the machine. The yeah, only yeah. way change is gonna come is bottoms up. It's not gonna come from mainstream media, it's gonna come bottoms up. And that's, you know, so what we're doing is we've created a political theory, which is about the interconnection of truth, freedom, and health. Freedom is a foundation of practicing the scientific method. That's how you get to truth. And when you have truth, you can identify real problems and real solutions for health. And when you're healthy, physical health or infrastructure health, then you have the strength to fight for freedom. That's the interconnection. That's principle number one that I teach. Number two is we need to build a bottoms up movement, period. And number three is we need to understand the not so obvious establishment, the Kennedys, the Sanders, uh, you know, some elements of the Tea Party, right? All the people who are these elements who ultimately drive people back into a into a corrupt electoral process. Sorry, Tulsi Gabbard endorsed Biden, okay? 
She was part of the Council of Foreign Relations. She didn't stay mum. She caved in. And I, I told friends that. I said, look, I've met Tulsi, nice person. But you know what? She was part of CFR. At the end of the day, why did you she endorse her? Yeah, I mean, so was Dennis Kucinich at one point, too, as well. well you know, uh, yeah, I know that. Dennis Kucinich is part of the not. I mean, he's part of the Democratic Socialists. They're not real revolutionaries. These yeah, people yeah. do not take a revolutionary position. They're reformists, okay? They're not revolutionaries. Yeah. Tulsi Gabbard talked a good game. That was She was the anti-war wing of that rainbow, okay? You had Andrew Yang. He played the Asian-American role. You had the gay guy, right? Buttigieg, right? You, and this is all engineered, in my view, by the Obamas. Bring a rainbow coalition, and then at the end of the day, bow down to this corrupt Biden family, okay, on that side. That's what happened. It's engineered. Yeah, yeah. It's engineered yeah. corruption. Well, I'll tell you this much, Dr. Shiva. I'd love to talk to you more. Since I did follow Tulsi Gabbard, I had to learn about Indian politics. I had to learn about the Randa Modi. I had to learn yeah. about the BJP and the RSS. Oh, okay, yeah. Everything that was going on, and man, it really blew my wow, mind. Wow, okay. I'd like to have you back on another time to talk sure. about that because it is interesting what you did say about Tulsi. And not just being a Tulsi fan, but the last several bills that she's come out with, with the get rid of the ballast and harvesting, uh, let's, you know, let's pardon Julian Assange, Edward Snowden, and going after the, uh, with the whistleblower protections for the espionage. How long has she been in Congress? How long has she been in Congress, Greg? What's that? How long has she been in Congress? I think about 14 years, is it? Why didn't she, she didn't know about this before that? Well, I, I think that there was definitely a turning point. I don't want to get into defending. Anyway, anyway, I, what I'm trying to say is not, no change is going to come about unless yeah. it's bottoms up. And we, we have to start yeah. diminishing our hope for these people because the amount of effort it took them to get there is quite, you know, they went through the swamp to become oh, yeah. the swamp. Yeah. So the only way out of this is us. And it's you. That's what it's about. It's about you, you, you. You need to take action. You need to activate yourself. You need to get politically conscious. There's no other way out of this, period. I got it. I yep. get it. And I understand. And uh, it's going to still be a hard case to get other people involved because they are so consumed working two, three jobs. If yeah. they even get a job when we come out of this whole coronavirus situation. I mean, a lot of people are, the system is that they're so consumed <clears throat> We're just trying to put food on the table that when they get home from work, all they want to do is pop a beer, watch some reality. TV, well, I don't know about that. I, I, no, I, I mean, our, our campaign, Greg, energized 3,000 volunteers, working people. We went into central mass. People run small businesses, plumbers, electricians. Those are the people that supported our campaign. I wouldn't say that. The hardworking people make time for this. We see them coming out on weekends. If the message is right, working people are not going to follow Bernie Sanders. They know he's full of shit. They're not gonna follow some tea party person. They know they're full of shit. They're gonna follow a guy like me who came bottoms up. They're gonna follow a plumber, an electrician. They're smart. Working people work with their hands are actually very smart. They can look at someone and say, that guy's full of shit. So I'm telling you on cold days, hot days, winter days, we had working people out there collecting signatures, not some paid signature person, everyday working people. We need to truly have working people unite, not some DSA, bullshit working person they're the ones who take advantage of working people i'm talking about a real revolutionary bombs up movement which aim is to destroy the establishment that's what needs to happen yeah yeah both yeah. sides I they, said the, 
They the need to be obliterated. Is the problem. We have to crush the two-party duopoly and get rid of it. Dr. Shiva, this was an amazing interview. I can't wait to do it again. I hope you come sure. on and do it with us again. Uh, and listen, uh, I'm going to be with you uh, on this election integrity push or this election transparency. <clears throat> I'm going to get this done, what you're telling us to do. And I hope everybody watching the combo couch does what Dr. Shiva does. He put it out there. Go to the website. Let's go and get the data. You own the data. We pay for it. We deserve it. And let's start this bottom-up movement. Dr. Shiva, it was amazing. Uh, please come back and uh, talk with us again. Sure. Thank you. It was very nice, Greg. Thanks. Be well. well. It was a pleasure. Yep. Ladies and gentlemen, that was the Combo Couch. Come back and see us again. That was Dr. Shiva.